how many of you have ever planned a trip? Man, I've got to roll down my sleeve. It's cold in here. I think I've been in Florida for too long. A whole, whole whopping three months. Now in 70 degrees and I'm freezing. Um, no. How many of you have ever planned a trip and something went wrong? Well, none of you. <laughs> right? I mean, we all have the stories of, man, of... I can't wait to go on this trip. I can't wait to do this. And you get everything all set and planned for. Um, you know, I remember one time um, my wife and I were trying to make it to Brazil with, with Maya was a newborn. Uh, Victor wasn't yet uh, in the plans. And uh, Vivian used to work nights. Uh, in the hospital over in Michigan, and we kept, we were looking forward so so forward to 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 this day, and and I said, hey, you need to get your pack, you need to pack your bags, you need to pack your bags, you need to get your stuff ready, and she's like, no, 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 I got it, I got it. I said, you need to pack your bags. I got it, I got it. Don't worry, it'll be ready. I leave. I mean, we have planned it to the exact minute of. You're going to come to work. You got to get your bags packed. While you're home and you're resting, you're with Maya. I'm going to go off to Andrews, you know, to school. I got to finish my finals. And so I get home from my last final. I jump in the car. Everything's got to be packed. I mean, all I have to do is throw in my suitcases. My stuff was done. And usually I pack for myself. <laughs> If, if, gentlemen, if you need a lesson on how to pack, come talk to me. Okay? Because I will pack and you will, you'll be okay. You will be okay. And so I had left my stuff, my, my, my suitcase ready, and I get home from my last exam, and Vivian is running ragged in the apartment. And she's trying to get things ready. I'm looking. I said, we got to go. Whatever you have, put it in the suitcase. And whatever we don't have, we'll get it over there. No, no, we, I need this. I need this. And, 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 and so long story short, I'm driving down from Berrien Springs to South Bend. We had managed to find a really good flight leaving from South Bend rather than having to, to, to drive two hours to Chicago. As I'm running in, in South Bend, if you've ever been to Berrien Springs, Michigan, it's a really small airport. It's about a quarter of the size of Fort Myers. It's really easy to get in and out of. I mean, Fort Myers is easy. But imagine an airport that's really tiny. All they service is regional jets. And they had a little 20-minute flight from South Bend to... Chicago. The interesting part is because in, in, in South Bend, it's Eastern Standard Time, and Chicago is Central. So you leave at 7.30, a 20-minute flight, you actually arrive before the time you left. Okay? So we're getting there, and we're driving, and I'm looking at him, and I'm, I'm just speeding, and, I'm, uh, and, and I will acknowledge I was not in my best behavior. Vivian was pretty 
up to here with, with, with my attitude of, I can't believe we're going to be late. And so I'm driving down at 31, and I'm looking, and you can see the airplanes flying over when they're coming to land. And I look up, and he it was our flight. I told you to get this pack. I, as a typical guy would. So I said, all right, what do we do? I called the airline and I said, hi, um, my name's Art, Art Preuss. I have a flight scheduled from South Bend to Floydianopolis, Brazil. Uh, but is, I don't think we're going to make it into our flight. And she's like, yeah, your flight just took off. I said, I know. That's why I'm calling. I said, can I transfer my flight to Chicago? She's like, there's no way you're going to make it to Chicago. Obviously, she did not know, one, who was driving. Two, she did not know that there was a time difference between where I was and Chicago. So what it would take me a two-hour flight, it actually would take me one because I would, I would gain an hour. And so I said, no, is there room in the flight from Chicago? She said, yes. I said, what's it going to cost? X amount, of, I don't care. Put it on my card. I took off the first exit, drove, I flew to Chicago. And we had planned it because it's in such a way that even some of our friends who were studying at Andrews, we were all on that flight together. And so I'm, we managed to change our flights to leave out of Chicago and uh, then when I called up a friend of mine who lived in Chicago and said hey man I need a favor I said yeah what's up I said I need you to pick up my car he's like why I said I'm gonna drop it at the airport oh I'll meet you at the airport so he picked up my car held my car for us for what's it two two three weeks something like that and and so as we're arriving now, if you've ever flown into Chicago, O'Hare, which is a massive airport, you have to go underground, and there's a, like a, a, it's not a treadmill, it's a, it's, a, it's a moving walkway, and then you go underneath where all the planes are parked, and then you come up on the other side. It just so happened that for that moment, Vivian and I, we felt like rock stars. Because as we had checked in and we were arriving, it, happens, it just so happened that our gate was right in front of the escalator when you move into the, the, the terminal. So we're moving up. And our friends are all there, and all, you know, it's just like you see it in the movies. You're, you just show up in slow motion as we're riding up the escalator. Here we are, Vivian and I, with Maya in, 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 our, you know, in our arms. They're like, yay! Everybody turns around, it's like, what's going on? Who's these? It's like, I thought, we thought you guys had missed the flight. I said, we did. We just drove in all the way from, from Berrien Springs. Unexpected events happen all the time. Some of them are end up in a, in, in, in a real happy ending, and some of them do not. You know, I've, I've, I've been invited to, to try to speak once in Washington, D.C., and I was driving from Lancaster, 
And so Vivian and I, we got into our car. And we get, I had some young, young adults in the car with me that we were taking. And lo and behold, on the way, as we went, I lost my voice. And I was scheduled to speak that night. I called up the pastor who was organizing. I said, hey, pastor, I can't, I can't preach. And he says, well, what do you mean? I can't. I don't have a voice. And I was struggling even to do that. And he says, well, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know, but I'm on my way. And I'm, I'm three hours out. I had driven all the way down, so I had lost my voice somewhere between New York and Baltimore. Because <laughs> when I left, I was speaking just fine. But by the time I got to Silver Springs, Maryland, I had no voice at all. So unexpected events almost always will happen. It doesn't matter how much you plan for. It doesn't matter how often you plan. It doesn't matter how good of a planner you are. Unexpected events happen. But plans are just that. They're plans. Because if they were set in stone, they wouldn't be called plans. I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 10. This, this story is part of a series in the making for me. I'm not starting a series. That's not what I'm saying. But this will be one of the sermons in this series in the future um, because of this particular phrase, as he went. There are seven, there are seven occurrences in the New Testament you, utilizing the New King James Version, where this f- exact phrase appears, as he went. And in this case, this is the story of blind Bartimaeus, chapter 10, verse 46. It says, now they, they came to Jericho. Oh, there's, there's supposed to be a... Uh, slide there there nope go back one please go back one and thank you yeah that'll work so jericho was one of the last places that jesus visited i had a map ready there for you for some reason it didn't show up but um jericho jesus left capernaum which is north and he travels south Okay, down, down by the Jordan River. If you look in the back of your Bibles, most of you may have a map there. So Capernaum is at the top over by the Sea of Galilee, and he travels all the way down, and as he's making his way down to Jerusalem, this is the, in the last week of his life. This is the last seven days that Jesus was going to be with his disciples. And he makes his way, and, and as, as here the, the Bible says, now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho, 
with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. You know, this, this doesn't jump out to us very, very much because we are reading this story from a distance. We are reading this story from a perspective of somebody who has, is living 2,000 years after the fact. But you, we have to understand that in the context of that culture, your name is associated to who you are, and also if your dad's name is there, it's because of something of importance is tied to it. The son of Timaeus. Later on, we will read that he heard of Jesus of Nazareth. So the son of Timaeus, okay, so everybody knew who this person was. When, when I went to Brazil, back to Brazil to study my undergrad, I had the privilege and unfortunate luck to have some of my dad's former students as my professors. Because when they saw me, they didn't know who I was. But then they went down the list. I kid you not, one of the professors in, in, in Brazil, it's not by your last name that, that the role is called. It's by your first name. So I was one of the very first ones to be called. So I had to be on time all the time. And so he read my name, and then he paused, and he looked up. And he says, Preuss. I said, yes, sir. He says, are you Omar's son? I said, yes, sir. And he continued. <laughs> Later on, he would say, you know, as you were walking, you walked just like your father. I'm like, great. But I'm sharing all this because everybody in that town knew who he was. For the fact that Mark, to write this and include this, Mark isn't the only one to write this story, but Mark is the only one who puts this detail in this story. It is meant that everybody knew who that person was. But that's not the only reason why he includes that name. But think back to your kids, for you, you who are parents. How many of you here have plans and aspirations for your son to be homeless or a beggar? Okay. No parent in their right mind wants their child to be anything less than themselves. Right? Your parent probably... My father is a, a, a school, was a school administrator and a, and a PE teacher. And so he, his aspirations for me was to become a doctor. I said, Dad, that's not happening. I, science and I, don't we, don't we don't agree with each other. And so when I told him I'd be, I was going to become a pastor, he's like, are you sure? But you as parents, and for those of you who will become parents, who are not yet, 
I guarantee you that you don't want your child to become anything less than what you have become. I don't want, I want my son to be as as successful, and if I ask him, what do you want to be, Victor? He's like, I want to be a police officer. Okay, cool. Maya, what do you want to become? Oh, I want to, I want to work, I want to be a veterinarian. All right, cool. And even as children, we don't aspire to become homeless. We don't aspire to be sitting by the, by the side of the road to, and beg for our daily bread. And so here is blind Bartimaeus, a beggar who's blind. It's also associated with that culture that he's, he's like that because of something that his parents did. So that's one of the reasons why he, Mark includes this detail in this in this in this right in these writings because people thought that he had inherited inherited a punishment that was supposed to be given to his parents but because of something that his parents did now the punishment is being passed on to his kids but the but it says here and when he heard that it was jesus of nazareth again the title jesus of nazareth earlier on we find when uh, Jesus is, is, is calling his disciples and he, and, he, and he calls Andrew and Andrew goes to find his brother Nathaniel who's sitting underneath a tree and he goes, hey, Jesus is calling you. Who's this guy? Oh, it's Jesus of Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? So you have to understand when you there there's all these these details that, that influence the mind of the reader for whom he was writing for at that time. That today in our culture, we lose sight of these facts. But when he heard, you know, blind people have an amazing sense of hearing. I used to work at Camp Winnicake. Danielle, you may not recognize this because that's the new cafeteria up at the top. And right on the le- upper left-hand side is the gym. So they built a new gym, w- wood floor, great. And now they have zip lines. They have, uh, it's a great place to go, to be. And I lived there for our first year of marriage. Yeah, that wasn't planned for. But that's a story for another time. But at summer camp, we used to, we used to uh, have what they call blind camp. And so how we would set it up is that we would have rope guides along the side of the, of, of the road. And, and the blind campers, the ages ranged from 8 to 65. So we had all sorts of, so the demographic was very, very diverse. But on this particular blind camp where there was a family that they... They never used the rope guides. They had been to camp for so long since they were little. They're now teenagers. They would literally, they would run from one end. So at the bottom here on the left is where the lodge is located. And they would run all the way across the camp without their walking sticks. Without holding on to the rope guide 
And it's amazing because I would watch them and they would just take off and they couldn't see a thing. It's not like they could see, you know, it's not like they were legally blind. No, they were completely blind. And I asked them, I said, how, how do you know when to stop? I said, we just count our steps. We know how many steps there are from point A to point B, every, anywhere in the camp. All you have to tell me is where I'm at. I'm like, okay. So one day, I'm, I'm coming out of the cafeteria, top building with the parking lot above it. There's a sidewalk that you can see that goes to the left, but there's one that goes to the right, and it snakes a slight S between three pine trees. And as, I, as I'm walk, walking out of the cafeteria, Tom, one, one of the blind campers, he asked the questions, who's there? And I said, it's me, it's Pastor Art. Oh, Pastor Art, want to race? Um, you're blind. I said this. I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't trying to be mean, but I said, Tom, you're blind. He's like, I don't care. Okay, let's race. Where do you want to race to? To the bottom of the hill. Bad idea. All these red flags are going off in my head, and I'm thinking, I'm going to race a blind person down a hill, and it's not a straight line. All right, let's go. Ready? So he said, okay, I'm going to say, ready, set, go. And, and so he goes, ready, set, and he takes off. Go! And he's running. He's running on the sidewalk. He knows he knows the terrain. He's running down the sidewalk. I'm, like, I'm not letting a blind person beat me, so I start running. <laughs> and all of a sudden, whoosh, his cane found my shins. <laughs> I'm like, ow! He's like, He's like, don't do that. I'm like, do what? He's like, this isn't fair. You can see. I can't. <laughs> I'm like, what in the world? And so he's like, all right, let's do it again. But you can't, you can't run that fast. I'm like, what's the point of racing? He's like, but it's fun. I'm like, all right, let's go. He goes, one, and then Mark cassette go. And so you know, sometimes you have these bright ideas that at, at that moment sound really good to you. And I said, I'm going to try to see if I can fool this kid. So what I did is rather than run faster than he, I stomp my feet as if I'm running faster than he is. Why did I do that? Because his cane found my shins again. But all I did was this. In place, or at least running or walking next to him, I just stomp my feet faster to give the impression or the illusion that I'm running faster than he is. And so why did I do that? Because I got another cane imprint in my shins. He's like, I told you, don't run fast. Anyway, by the time all this was over, we were at the bottom of the hill his family was sitting there laughing their head off because they could hear our interaction. They have an amazing sense of hearing. And when Bartimaeus heard, the Bible says, it was Jesus of Nazareth. Notice the change in, in, that Mark is in, intentionally given here. He begins to cry out, Jesus, son of David! 
have mercy on me. And the people around him are going, shh, be quiet. Don't do that. They began to, as my son would say, shush him. You know, it's really interesting. Because when you, when you begin to read this story and you, you begin to understand the surrounding, here is this blind man begging for, for money, food, whatever it is. He hears of Jesus in, in understanding the context that this is Jesus' last week and we know this because we're, we're reading the story and we can piece it all together. Jesus knew if this was going to be his last week. Bartimaeus did not. And yet he's calling Jesus, the son of David, the Messiah. What happens after this, and if you continue reading chapter 11, is the triumphal entry. Where everybody recognizes, quote unquote, who Jesus is as the Messiah. But here is Bartimaeus. Somebody who cannot see is acknowledging Jesus the way that people should have been acknowledging him. And yet the people tell him, Shh, be quiet. See, what's also remarkable, if you, if you look back in Mark chapter 9, verse 33 to 37, and chapter 10, 35 through 45, are two instances where people are asking Jesus for places of power. The first is the disciples arguing who's the greatest. Who's, who's the greatest? Hey, Jesus, who's better? Me or him? Who's going to sit at his right side? Who's going to have that position of authority? Who's going to have that place of privilege? Because they haven't gotten what the purpose of Jesus' mission on earth was. Because when you look at how Jesus responds to them, Jesus takes one of the little children and he says, you've got to be like one of these little kids. See, we have a, we have a tendency to look at, at, at little kids and, oh, they're so cute. But man, they get on your nerves. I'm, I, if you are a parent, you love your child, but at some point they will get on your nerves. Okay? And kids, I love you. I'm not, you are not brats. <laughs> all right you are not brats you, but sometimes kids can act the fool but jesus takes a little kid and says you you guys are arguing who's who's the greatest you got to be like one of these and i can just imagine the disciples like right okay but it doesn't go, you know, it doesn't, it's not very long. And then you, you jump down to chapter 10, just before the story, verse 35 through 45, you have the, the story of James and John wanting to be, hey, can we sit at your right hand? Sitting at the right hand means you're second in command. You're in a, in a, in a, in a place of prominence. 
Jesus' Jesus' reply to them is classic. Verse 45 says, Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. The disciples never got that. The disciples never understood the purpose of servant leadership. Because they were still bickering who would have the place of power even within roughly seven days before Jesus was about to die. The Mount of Transfiguration, right out the window. The feeding of the 5,000, right out the window. Actually, that elevated their rationale of wanting to be in the place of power. They didn't understand the, 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 the mission, why Jesus actually came. He didn't come so they could put him in the pedestal. Because, I mean, I, think about it. For somebody, we're not even going to get into the, the creation account, but somebody who can multiply fishes and loaves to, for 5,000 people and still have left over, hey, you lead us. You tell us what to do. And you know, the unfortunate thing is that there are, there are people who look at God and say, Lord, you just tell me where I have to go and I'll do it. And God's like, no, that's not how it works. They were looking for Jesus to say, hey, do this, do that. Because whatever Jesus asked of them, they, they did do it, but they didn't understand what the point was. And so as they shushed him, as they began to tell Bartimaeus to stop, he cried even louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Sometimes that is the best prayer we can have. And all of a sudden, the crowd stops walking. I mean, you, you have to, uh, you, again, use your wild imagination. You, you're, you're this beggar, and you hear the commotion. You have heard of Jesus, because Jesus is now in, three years into his ministry. You have heard of the mir- miracles of the, that he has performed. You have heard about how he, you may have heard how he had walked on water, you, how he calmed the, the, the storm, how he healed the paralytic, how he... Healed the possessed. How he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. And you hear of Jesus. And you hear he's passing by. And so your last attempt, your la- the last thing you can think of is, he's the one who can save me. He's the one who can get me out of this situation. And how many of us get to that point or have gotten to that point this week? Jesus is the only one. And so we say, Jesus, have mercy on me. But Jesus may reply to you, says, my grace is sufficient. Or he may reply to you, yeah, I know you've asked me to remove this three times already, but it's there because you need, you need this. But Jesus actually in this story, he stops. He doesn't continue. He stops and the whole crowd stops with him. And as the stops, as the crowd stops, Jesus says, call him. 
And so people are like, oh, 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 hey, uh, Bart, Jesus is calling you. But they actually said, be of good cheer. To us, in today's language, it would be like, hey, man, he heard you. Get up. Take heart. Be happy. He heard you. Man, I love, I love this, what, the reactions. Verse 50. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. This isn't a blind person asking to be helped up. He rose, mean like he leaped up and he threw everything off. And, and here's a, a small little detail. Beggars were homeless. Nights were cold. The only thing that he owned that would provide him warmth and comfort, he threw off. The only thing of value that he possessed, he let it go because he knew that what he wanted most was to be with Jesus. And as he made his way, Jesus asks him one, a question that if we were to ask that of somebody that we know is going through a hardship, and we say, what do you want me to do for you? We might get the typical response, well, can't you see? Jesus doesn't, you know, Bartimaeus doesn't reply, I'm blind, you're not. You can't tell me that I can't see? Jesus knew. Here's the interesting part of, it, of this story. Jesus walked right past him. And didn't stop until he called them. It wasn't that Jesus didn't know he was there. And it's not that Jesus doesn't understand what you and I are going through. But Jesus wants you to call to him. Jesus wants you to cry out to him. Jesus wants you to let him know what it is that you want him to do for you. And so he did. Oh, that I may see. And Jesus says, go, your faith has made you what? Whole. Where did Jesus tell him to go? It's right, sitting right here. Verse 50. Uh, 50, 52. Go your way. What does your way mean? Go home. You don't have to hang around here anymore. Go back to your family. Go back to your household. You don't have to stay here anymore. But what did he do? He followed him. What, did he, what didn't he do? He didn't pick up his cloak. He followed him. There's a, a, a quotation in the Spirit of Prophecy. I'm going to show you a couple of quotes from the Spirit of Prophecy that talk about religion. That talk about evangelism that talk about how we should behave it says christ's method alone will give true success in reaching people 
the Savior mingled among men as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence. Then he bade them, follow me. You see, in this story, Jesus didn't approach this gentleman out of the blue and say, hey, come on, take your stuff and come with me. I'll make you well on the way. Jesus actually was in a crowd of people and he stopped to hear a blind man who recognized who Jesus was. Where the crowd that was walking with Jesus that could see everything, that saw the same blind man, didn't understand who Jesus was. But if we mingle with Jesus, and if we understand who he is, we understand that Jesus is going to take the time to stop and to hear and to listen and to help those in need. In a devotional series, um, she writes this about what true religion is. True religion is the work of grace upon the heart that causes life to flow out of the goodness of, of good works like a fountain fed from living streams. Religion does not consist of merely in meditation and prayer. The Christian's light is displayed in good works and is thus recognized by others. Religion is not to be divorced from the business life. It is to pervade and sanctify its engagements and enterprises. And if a man... <clears throat> And if a man is truly connected with God and, have, and heaven, the spirit that dwells in heaven will influence all his words and actions. He will glorify God in his works, and he will lead others to honor him. True religion is something that is lived on a daily level. It's not something that you just... Come to church to practice religion. I hope you are not Adventists on the seventh day, but seven-day Adventists. See, we need to, true religion is something that will reflect who is it in us every single day because it is only then that others will get a chance to know who Christ is. It's your actions, it's my actions, it's your words, your deeds, your involvement with the community around you, wherever it is that God places you, that will determine what image and who they see Jesus is. You can tell them you don't drink, you can tell them you don't smoke, you can tell them you eat clean foods, you can tell them that you exercise regularly, but if your attitude sucks, they're not seeing Jesus. They're seeing a, a legalistic individual who is trying to earn salvation. The question I want to leave you this morning is this. What does your religion look like? When you, go, when you get up in the morning, what do people see?
Who do they see? See, when we look at blind Bartimaeus, he saw Jesus without seeing him. He recognized who Jesus was without having the ability to physically see. His disciples and the multitude saw Jesus but didn't see physically who he was in, in, as an individual. But Jesus reminded them why he came was to stop to help those who were in need. See, one of the things that we are going to address here in Naples, and I mentioned about the natural church development, it's going to gauge how well we are conducting evangelism. See, evangelism isn't just us having an event where we come together and discuss our doctrines. Evangelism is what we do on a daily living. It's how you interact with people. It's how you talk to people. It's how you, people see Jesus in you and through you. That's evangelism. And if we are doing religion correctly, you're doing evangelism every single day. So what does your religion look like? today Amelia are you ready to sing blessings for everyone When the hour finally calls for an ending The music and gears all packed away Think back on this time between your heart and mine And remember this prayer that I pray May you soar on the wings of an angel And walk with the Lord day by day Be filled with God's grace As you leave this place May He guide you and keep you, I pray Be filled with God's grace 
as you leave this place may he guide you and keep you i pray may he guide you and keep you grateful listen to our prayers that you have paused the multitude and you have summoned us to ask what it is that we have asked that we need you of you or may we be like blind Bartimaeus who recognize you because of he heard of who you are, but not having seen you. And Lord, give us the strength to let go of what is keeping us from coming to you. Give us the courage to stand and give us the ability to speak, to relay to those who need to hear a word of encouragement, a word of uh, gratitude, And if may be so, Father, a word of admonition. We pray, Father, that you continue to be with us. Help us to display the true religion of Jesus. We ask this in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.